Welcome to the Signal Source Podcast. The Signal Source is the leading independent distributor of hazardous location and explosion proof audible and visual signals for commercial, industrial, and marine locations. Today, I'm speaking with the other half of the dynamic signaling duo, Laura Day. Not only does Laura have decades of signaling experience, but she's also done something only 0.01% of the world's population has ever accomplished. Continue listening to get that amazing story. I give you Laura Day. Well, thank you for uh, for taking the time. Can you take me back to the beginning, how it all began? Well, I started um, with Federal Signal in 1984 in their shipping office. And then I worked there for a a handful of years and then they had a new position as a secretary for the maintenance director and then the supervisor and customer service wanted me in her department so as soon as they had an opening and I went up in customer service to work. How was that transition? What was that like? Well, I started to learn more about the product. When I worked in the shipping office, I was just um, updating inventory, allocating orders. We used to do everything by hand, you know, making sure stock was correct and when things would come off the line Tickets would come in the office and I'd put them in the system, but I'd hand allocate orders. And then when I went up to customer service, learned more about the product, learned more about the business as far as what a distributor was, what a rep was, the customer, the end user. I didn't know any of that, obviously, working in the shipping department. So it just changed my perspective on the importance of good customer service and the customer wants timely product and timely information. Yeah, so that must have been a difference from working, just moving product to actually uh, talking with people and actually getting to know people behind the uh, the shipments. Yes, it it was mainly the reps that we dealt with. I had the West Coast, but some customers would call in uh, and ask questions. But oh. um, yeah, it was definitely putting a face to the need of what I was doing before. So you said you got a sense for what people cared about. Can you elaborate on that a, a bit on what what their struggles are and how you save the day in situations for them? Really just getting their shipments out for them. <laughs> <laughs> just getting out on time. That's the big yeah. thing. Instead of taking five or seven days as a lead time and that's it because that's what the piece of paper says. You know, just kind of working with different people within the system that I became friends with just said, hey, can we improve this? Can we do something here? Can we, you know, everyone just wants to say three to five days, seven to 10 days. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that in two weeks. But the customer, I'm on the phone with the customer and they have a real need. So you feel compelled to give a little more, to push a little harder to give them what they need. So how do you push a little harder or help them get a little more? You on the phone uh, to production and to the people in charge of each line. So you're talking to the line guys, right? Like immediately. Like, Whoever was we... in charge of the line for whatever product I was trying to, you know, get expedited. Right. Do you ever or... bribe them? No. <laughs> Although I'm a pretty good baker now, I probably could have if I'd known my baking skills back then, but I didn't. I was just nice. <laughs> so you, you so you learned how to kind of expedite orders for people and, and try and figure out ways to work directly. And um, what about uh, signaling in general? Did you did you come to some appreciation about the product and, and some of the technical stuff in any way that you could describe? Just really not so much the technical because that's just not my background, but it was good to know. I had a better appreciation of what the product does, how the parts all work together, you know, because I'm just down in the shipping office deciding what I'm going to ship. I didn't know if a tone module needed to go with a select tone and I didn't know a bracket needed to go. So just learning what went with what and how people use it and the different applications. I, I guess I had a better appreciation for that. I wasn't so into the fire alarm products. That was a separate division at the time. So I was just more in the 120 and 
and 240 volt items, but they're used the same, but there's just different requirements for fire alarm than there is just in the standard industrial 120 volt world. Right, right. So how did you, uh, how did you come to meet Rhett and, and how did the signal source all kind of grow into your life? <laughs> well, he started the signal source and when he placed his first order, I got it because I was handled the West Coast and he was calling direct checking on it because he's very impatient. And <laughs> um, so, you know, everybody's supposed to go through the rep. To, I just took his order up front and said, this, look, this guy is just not going to stop calling. Can't we just get this taken care of? Can we get it entered? Can we get it set up? I mean, it, you know, it's just, can it not sit on your desk for 12 hours before someone handles it kind of a thing? And I got that taken care of. And then he just continued to call direct once he found out I handled the West Coast. He would not go call his rep because he was a rep and he didn't want to deal with a rep. So he would just call direct and I would just handle whatever he needed, his orders or if he needed to check on stock or anything like that. So, so that's how we met. And then the signal source evolved and he slowly stopped repping the product lines he was dealing with and the signal source became, you know, full time. That's when I came out, got on board. So now I'm not as technically inclined as Rhett, but I am able, you know, we kind of complement each other. I can I can do the things that that he doesn't have the time to do. And he definitely is the signal source. He's a wealth of knowledge and people rely and count on him for their needs when they have questions, when they have application questions, when they're trying to pick a product or they'll call and they'll say they want this product and he'll say, what's your application? And they'll tell him and he'll say, no, really, this is what you need. He does all the voltage calculations and everything. He's amazing. I wish I knew what he knew, but it's not my thing. So I do everything else. So <laughs> it works out. Yeah. So so what is your thing? I do order entry. I do a lot of the shipping, which I don't mind because I don't like to sit all day receiving product, uh, invoicing, collections. Yeah, pretty much everything clerical. Let's say all things clerical. Do you do you feel calls from customers or follow up with customers or is that more more on Rhett's, um uh, no, I do. No, I do. I talk when people call, I'll talk to them. And if they need pricing and, you know, they need, you know, if I can answer their question, but if it gets really technical and involved, then, um, you know, they, they speak with Rhett. And a lot of his regular people, you know, really know that and the, they just ask for him. And if he's busy or if he's on the other line or if he's in the shipping doing something, I'll say, you know, I'll ask if I can help. Sometimes I can. They're, sometimes they're just used to asking for them. But I definitely, yeah, I mean, I fill in when I can. Do you have your own regulars? No, not really. Not really. I just ride on his coattails. And then, and then he rides on yours right when you're out running? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I wish he would. <laughs> wow, what a team. Spending time with both Rhett and Laura, and I've come to appreciate the deep mutual respect they have for each other and how that translates into a tag team dynamo with a love for signaling. Be sure to visit thesignalsource.com and chat directly with Rhett or call 866-548-2331 to speak with Laura or Rhett. Speaking of Laura, that thing she's done that very few in the world have. So tell me about that. So you, uh, aside from signaling, you also, uh, he has told me that you've done several Ironmans. I have. Yep, I have. Wow. How did you get into Ironman competition training and whatnot? Well, I met a group of friends at a local gym. We joined a couple of years after we moved here. 
and they all rode bikes. So I borrowed a bike and went for a couple rides with them. And then I decided I kind of liked it. And uh, we all took a spin class together, although it's not the same as actually being on the road. It's at least you get the feel for a bike. And so then I got my bike and just rode a lot and really enjoyed it. And then a couple of family members like to come out and visit and they are runners. So I thought, well, I'll give this a try. You know, it's kind of easy. I don't have to pack a gym bag. I don't have to, you know, haul a bunch of stuff to the gym. It seems a little easier to get a workout in. So I kind of taught myself how to run. And then I had another friend who swam and she was out visiting and one year and she said, I'm going to get you in the pool. And that was the hardest thing to learn really is to, I did one lap and I just sat there and watched her. I was uh, blown away. And so I was kind of determined to learn how to swim. I've, I'd have to say just in the last five years, I've actually become a swimmer and mainly the last two years. So she got me in the pool and then one of my other friends was going to do a little sprint race right out here locally. And that's uh, like a quarter mile swim, a 14 mile bike ride and a three mile run. So I thought, well, I'm going to give it a try. I, I made it through the swim, got out of the water, got on my bike. And as soon as I took off on my bike, I knew I was hooked. I just, I just loved it. And, um, but then uh, three miles into the bike ride, I got a flat. I didn't know how to get my back wheel off. I didn't know how to change a flat. So I had to run my bike back to the transition. And then I did, I did the run portion, but I mean, it, I didn't really do the whole thing. So it didn't count for me. So I was so disappointed because I worked so hard for that little bitty race. Then that, um, that was in March. So in May, there was one Orange County somewhere. So I went over there and did that one and successfully. And then I just kind of slowly moved up. I did a handful of half Ironmans. And then this September is going to be my 18th full Ironman. 18th. Yeah, I've not done 18 halves and 18 folds. Well, this year I'm going to do two halves and a full. So I'll have more halves than fulls. That's on the books for this this year. So that is an incredibly painful and hard. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and the run is the worst because it's the, the last. The run is, is, why is it the worst? Because it's the last and it's, oh. you know, you've, you've already swam 2.4 miles. You've ridden as hard as you can for 112 miles and now you have to run 26 miles. You must have like some kind of an aptitude for that type of thing to have done that much. Do you feel like it's just some of something about it is natural to you? Yeah, I think the, my body was built to, for in the endurance portion of it. I just enjoy the discipline and I enjoy the structure and I enjoy, you know, the sacrifice it takes to accomplish something like that because there is no greater feeling in the world than when you cross that finish line. I mean, the, the Ironman has definitely changed who I am and how I feel about the things I can accomplish. And you train your mind, you don't just train your body. Right, right. And um, it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing. And it all started because I was cleaning house one Saturday and the Ironman in Hawaii was, they televised that on NBC. That's the uh, world champion race and it's in October. And I was watching a recording of it and I saw these people crossing the finish line and crying and just, the, and I thought, I, I want to know what that, I want to know what they're feeling. I want to know what that is. I never thought I would do an Ironman. I just thought, I want to know what those people are feeling right now. Yes. Because they, you know, some of them looked like they had been rung through the ringer and they crossed the finish line. I mean, just the joy. It's like, I just want to, and family members would come up and hug them and greet them. And I just like, and the spectators and I'm like, I want to, 
I want to know what that feels like. And I didn't know it would lead me down this road, but I'm I sure I'm glad it has. I was uh, just curious on how how running and 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 those challenges uh, impact your uh, relationship with uh, the signal source with signaling and. Does it does it make your day go better when you've trained or had a really good training? Um, do you feel better about working with clients? Yeah, I mean, I feel so during the uh, week. Um, yeah, definitely, I'm one of those people that I need to get up and get 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 the blood flowing and get moving. So I feel uh, better when I come home and you know ready to take on the day. What a badass. <laughs> That's who's working on behalf of your signaling folks. Iron Man and signaling expert, Laura Day. And you've been listening to the only podcast dedicated to the signaling industry. Visit thesignalsource.com and be sure to scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page and sign up to receive the Signal Source newsletter and podcast announcements so we can continue sharing great signaling stories like this. On behalf of Rhett and Laura and the Signal Source, thanks for listening.